highly sensitive people, you, you know, you give them a little bit of feedback and they just go running with it. And when they're trying to give feedback to someone else, they're so gentle that someone who's more direct and less sensitive won't even know they're giving them feedback. So part of it is understanding who you are around giving and receiving feedback and looking at the other person. So that's really important for new managers and all managers to do that work, to understand who the people are they're interacting with and who they are. Welcome to Management Development Unlocked, where you will learn how to nurture a world-class management team. And now your host, Eric Gerard. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Management Development Unlocked. I am really glad you're here. While you still have your device in your hand, I'd like to ask three favors. First, please subscribe to the show. Second, please share the show with just one other person. And finally, go to GerardTrainingSolutions.com and download my free ebook on becoming a manager. Today, I have Lorraine Sigal with me. Welcome to the show, Lorraine. Who are you and what do you do? Oh, hi, Eric. Thanks so much for having me on your show. So as you said, my name is Lorraine Siegel, and I have my own company called Conflict Remedy. And a lot of what I do is help leaders navigate conflict more skillfully. And I do that through coaching and training, and I fold in a lot of work around clear communication and giving feedback and um, letting go of resentments. And I write a blog about that. And I also have written a memoir, and I'm working on a second book, which is on conflict transformation. And I have a lot of fun. Wonderful. Well, I am very, very glad you're here. If you've listened to the show at all, you know that I like to talk a lot about empathy and the need for managers to have empathy. And I think that being able to deal with conflict is really important for for managers, whether they're new or experienced, handling things when conversations get tough, when employees get upset, when peers or colleagues get upset. I think there's a line between those who are great at it and those who could use some work. And so that's why I've invited you to the show. So thank you for coming. Oh, you're so welcome. And I couldn't agree with you more that part of how I approach conflict is looking at compassion and empathy. Mm -hmm. And because they are crucial qualities and they are learnable. Some people are naturally better, but they're learnable qualities. Yep, they they sure are. I mean, first place I would send anybody is to Daniel Goleman's book on emotional intelligence to get started. And there's dozens and dozens more after that. So my opening question for you, Lorraine, is what do managers need to understand about conflict? Great question. And the the most important thing I would say first is to understand that conflict is inevitable when you have groups of humans together. So it doesn't mean the manager is doing something wrong. It doesn't mean these people that that are in conflict are doing something wrong. It's simply part of any human workplace. And the trick is to figure out how to deal with it. So the first thing is understanding that conflict is normal. And then I think the the second thing is to understand that conflict isn't, you know, difficult conflicts aren't inevitable, that there are ways through clear communication, through self-understanding and understanding others, that you can navigate it more skillfully 
And a lot of that is inner work. And then there's also the qualities of that empathy and listening that helps clear communication when there's a difficult topic. Wonderful. Yeah. And I I have to agree that conflict isn't inevitable and it's normal. I think that's the the big thing that I'm taking from the comment you just made, because I know that I'm very conflict averse. I get very tied up in knots if if I even sense that a conflict is coming. And I tend to overreact and and overdo it and make the conflict worse. So I think if managers understand that, hey, this is normal, it's part of being human, it's part of dealing with groups of people, and you can get good at it, you can get better at it for sure. I think the the mindset is certainly a big one. Absolutely. And I do want to say that one of the things when I do classes on this for organizations and companies, one of the things I start with is there's different people who have developed this, but there's different approaches that people naturally have to conflict. So I go through those with people, and one of them is being avoidant, one is more confrontative, one is placating kind of things. And none of them are bad. It's just that what you want to do is understand what your fallback position is, and then build skills so that you have a choice of how to react that's the most appropriate. Absolutely. How do you help new managers, CEOs, and organizations in general manage conflict? Well, a a lot of what I do is sometimes I'm called in as a consultant, sometimes I'm called in to do trainings, and sometimes I'm called in to put out what I do, what I call putting out fires. (laughs) So I love doing training or doing leadership coaching where there isn't some kind of crisis, because then what I can do is a lot of skill building of so people don't get in those terrible situations. But I'm also very good at putting out fires. So sometimes I'm called in because, uh, for example, two C-suite people are locked in this intractable conflict and yelling at each other and the organization doesn't want to lose either one. So I work with them separately to understand how they see the conflict and then ever so gently, after giving them a lot of empathy and support, ask them to look at what their contribution to the conflict might be and how the other person might see the conflict. And that's sort of the the heart of what I do. And I, I actually have this joke with my students, and I say that I have this very simple, modest goal to help people with conflict, which is to change their hearts, minds, and behavior. <laughs> but it's actually all doable. So, you know, not that you want to boil the ocean or anything, just change hearts, minds, and souls. Exactly. (laughs) And behavior. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Uh, (laughs) Okay. That just, it seems like such a huge, a huge thing to try to do. Yeah. You know, it is. And it's one of those simple but not easy kinds of things. Mm -hmm. But I always start with love, okay? And, you know, when I redid my website a while ago, it took me a long time and I was really scared to do it because here I was, you know, wanting to attract corporations to hire me. And I thought, I can't talk about love and woo-woo things. But I realized that if I didn't, I wouldn't be attracting the people who wanted what I was actually offering. Mm -hmm. So I talked about love and spirit and forgiveness as well. And those are parts of how I approach it. And that does help change people's hearts, minds, and behavior. Yeah. And it's it's part of a larger movement of seeing swinging away from command and control, impersonal management to 
much more you know personalized, caring, empathetic management. Yes. So the, the pendulum, I think, is swinging. Which is great because, you know, I used to be a middle manager myself, and I, it was a department chair at a community college, but it was the same idea with people, I, you know, direct reports and people I reported to. And I did so many things right, even though I hadn't studied this stuff at that time. And it's because I that was naturally my approach, was mm-hmm. not mechanistic. It was respecting people and listening to them and and trying to help them and myself do better. Marvelous. Well, a big part of conflict is feedback. And, and I think that feedback delivered poorly can cause conflict. So how can new managers give and receive feedback that is effective? Well, that's a great question. And I actually have a three-hour class on, <laughs> on giving and receiving feedback because I think it's so important. And it's kind of a subset of a difficult conversation. You know, you think there's all kinds of topics that are difficult in general. And giving and receiving feedback is one of – it's really difficult for people. So what I start is by talking about, okay, why is it so hard to – receive feedback. It's because none of us grow up thinking it's okay to make mistakes, or most of us don't. So if there's anything negative that we're hearing, it triggers us and we react. And it's really hard to sort out what might be useful or helpful. And giving feedback on from the other side, it's how do you say things in a way that honors people, that helps them do better without making them feel like a piece of bleep. So that's that's part of it. And there's some wonderful books about this that that talk about, and some of it has to do with, uh, I, I've discovered about if people are highly sensitive or not. I don't know if you've heard about highly sensitive people. And highly sensitive people, you, you know, you give them a little bit of feedback and they just go running with it. And when they're trying to give feedback to someone else, they're so gentle that someone who's more direct and less sensitive won't even know they're giving them feedback. So part of it is understanding who you are around giving and receiving feedback and looking at the other person. So that's really important for new managers and all managers to do that work, to understand who the people are they're interacting with and who they are. And you can also ask, how if you're supposed to be giving people feedback, how do you like getting feedback and explain who you are and and have a conversation about it with them. And I've also found more than anything, if you take the perspective that everyone is trying to do their best, that they want to do a good job, and one aspect of it is to ask them what, okay, if there is, if there are some areas that need improvement, what's missing for you? What do you need to be able to do this better and give them options and support? And instead of people being defensive, then they more tend to feel like you are an ally in that work of of helping them be a better employee or a better manager. Wonderful. Carrying on from this, what can you do with negative or vague feedback to make it useful and not take it personally? This is something that I specifically teach in my classes and work on with clients because since a lot of people haven't taken my classes or other classes, they don't know how to give feedback that's actionable. 
And so what one thing I do, one exercise is to help people come up with a list of questions, follow-up questions they can ask. And so this is a funny example, but I used to love the Gilmore Girls. At one point, Rory has this prestigious internship at a newspaper and the head of the newspaper who's really a jerk tells her you don't have what it takes to be a good journalist and she's devastated drops out of harvard uh, yale i mean for a semester etc but what I, and i tell my students what you could have done is to ask follow-up questions okay so what are the qualities that are you're seeing a good journalist needs to have which qualities are the ones that you're seeing that i don't have yet and how can I get them? So when you do that, you take something that's vague and negative and might be really designed to just insult you, or ignorance that the person doesn't know how to explain what they're sensing, and you turn it into something that could be actionable. And I want to give you one more example about this. I worked with a woman, actually, she was head of HR at a nonprofit. And, well, she was bullied by some of her direct reports, and we did a lot of work on that, of how she could take care of herself, what the CEO needed to do. But then she had to write evaluations of some of the people who had bullied her, <laughs> and she was having a terrible time. So we actually went through her forms, and she was writing vague statements in places, and I would say to her, okay, how do you know this? What does this mean? Have you actually observed it? You know, things like that. And she said it was immensely helpful to help her give better feedback that was more objective of looking at the task, looking at expectations, looking at solutions. In my classes, I teach the SBI model of feedback, which is situation, behavior, and impact. And one of the things I teach is when you're describing situation and behavior, pretend that you're walking around with an iPhone recording this stuff. And playing it and just simply playing it back and describing what's on the screen. Yes. That sounds great. Yes. Thank you. All right. Let's let's transition now to the intercultural aspect of of conflict. People who are from different cultures can easily misunderstand each other. How do you help your direct reports and colleagues understand each other better and not make dangerous assumptions? Another great question. Thank you. Well, before I was in the the conflict uh, management field, I actually studied to be a diversity trainer, as it was called then, you know, DEI work. And as soon as I started teaching and coaching people around conflict, you know, managers and others, I realized that I needed to include intercultural work because most conflicts come from people misunderstanding each other, not communicating clearly, making assumptions about each other, and sometimes operating off of stereotypes. And all of that happens to the nth degree when people are from different cultures. And I also fold in implicit bias because we all grow up this the society we're in, for better or for worse, is sexist, racist, homophobic, you know, anti-woman in many ways. And all of us, whether we're part of those groups or not, absorb this min misinformation about who other people are. And so that's, that's something that people can learn about culture. There's actually, I, I, when I, my previous life, even before the DEI training, I studied intercultural communication because I was teaching English as a second language. And there's these different dimensions of culture. And we assume 
that everybody's like us, but they're not. I, just to give you an example from when I was a, a teacher, my students would come see me in my office and they would hover in the doorway. And I didn't understand why, because American students would just come in and sit down. And I finally realized they were waiting for me to invite them to sit down, that they were being exquisitely polite. But it was a different politeness from how American students would be. And if you didn't understand, you'd think they were weird or or didn't really want to talk to you or something. So I specifically teach, you know, sort of the basics about that. And then I fold those into the questions you're asking yourself about a conflict. What's going on? You know, this is what I ask clients and I teach them and students. What's really go what's going on? How am I seeing it? Is the other person seeing it the same way? Do I know these things are true? What different story might they be telling? about what's going on. And it's amazing how helpful it is. Yeah, I totally agree. My master's is in intercultural communication. And I, I actually met Geert Hofstede. When you're talking about dimensions of culture, I actually met him in Australia, God, 100 years ago. But yeah, good stuff. I still use that, that, that stuff today in, in the management training that I do. Wonderful. Thank you. This will be a juicy question. Describe some of your most interesting clients who are managers. What were the conflicts and how did you help them get through it? Okay. Yeah, that's a fun one. Well, since we were talking about intercultural communication and, and bias, one very interesting, I was called in by a, uh, was a credit union, a big credit union, because they had a manager and a VP and the, the, man, the VP the manager was a direct report of the VP, but they were both, you know, in charge of, of many people and they were not getting along at all. And so I worked with both of them separately to see if we could untangle what was going on and how they might work together better. The VP was a white woman. The manager was a black woman. And as, as I worked with them individually, it became clear you know, as I know anyway, they both really wanted to do a good job. They both respected each other, but their communication was absolutely missing. And what the vice president seemed to be doing that, that was problematic um, was that she was making assumptions about the abilities of the manager, but not checking with her. So she was trying to ease her load, thinking there was too much in a way that the manager interpreted as disrespectful. And there were two things with the manager. One was, I did want to ask the manager, and I, I asked the manager if, there, if she thought there was racism going on, because I wanted to acknowledge that with the best intentions, racial prejudice can come up in these interactions. And I wanted the manager to know that I was willing to look at implicit bias with her, see if there was something going on that needed to be addressed. It turned out that wasn't the issue, but it was still important that I was willing to go there with her. But what the manager was doing, the manager was a very effective manager, but she had a particular style, and she expected the VP to have the same style that she did and kind of read her mind about what she needed. And so we talked a lot about how there's more than one way to be a good manager. She had one, the other woman had another, and she needed to be explicit with her about what she needed. So we did all this work and they both had all these light bulbs going off. 
I never needed to meet with both of them together because they both learned so much and it opened up their minds about what was going on that they started meeting and talking to each other differently and got along beautifully. It was one of those many happy endings that I yeah. loved. Do you, have, <laughs> do you have many happy endings like that? A lot. I'm really good at this. And it's amazing. It's partly why I love the work so much that I do get a lot of happy endings with these kinds of situations because, you know, there are malicious people in the world, but most people really want to do a good job. And there's just gaps in their understanding. And the kind of work I do, it really does open people's hearts and they go, oh, that's why they're doing that. They're not trying to get me. They're, they're doodling along their own path that they think is the best way to do things. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot of fun. I had a, another one that was, it was a small business and the owner wanted to sell to two of the top employees and they had the paperwork there and everything. And then the two men had a huge blow up and weren't even speaking to each other. And in desperation, the owner of the company hired me to work with them. And by doing similar things, really, of giving them tons of empathy and support separately, talking about what their issues were that were keeping them from showing up in the best way, pointing out and helping them see ways they might be misinterpreting what the other person was doing, and then brought them together. And it all worked out. They, they bought the company. And I'm actually still doing tune-ups with them <laughs> about every other month, but they have this thing, they call it, what would Lorraine do? What would Lorraine do? <laughs> and I, I love that, that, um, you know, it saved 12 jobs because that's how many people work there. The owner definitely wanted to either sell or just shut it down. And for me, it's, it's not always easy, but it, it's just such beautiful work. That's marvelous. That's wonderful. Yeah, you have great stories, too. Thank you. Do you have a product or a service you'd like to plug? Well, yes, by, as a matter of fact. <laughs> well, first, I want to invite people to go to my website, which is conflictremedy.com. And if you sign up for my newsletter, you'll immediately get an article called The High Cost of Conflict, which talks about the bottom line of what conflict costs organizations. And it's great for if you want to get more help around and training or coaching around conflict to show to people about the financial impact of not dealing with conflict. So that would be my big ask. And um, I am always, I love working with organizations. I love coaching and training. I have a bunch of classes I teach. And if you go to my website, there's information about that as well, as well as I have a hundred and 60 blog posts that I've written about conflict and communication and forgiveness and all kinds of things like that. So that's uh, conflictremedy.com. And I've recently written and published a memoir called Angels and Earthworms, An Unexpected Journey to Joy, Love, and Miracles, which is um, loosely connected to my work because I talk about being bullied and mobbed as an academic and how I escaped and started doing my beautiful business. And so it's available everywhere. 
ebook and paperback, Amazon, independent bookstores, etc. So, and there's a newsletter for that too on the book page of Conflict Remedy that they can sign up for and get forgiveness prayers. Oh, so, nice. Well, that's great. Excellent. Tell us more about the memoir. Well, okay. Here's the first um, line of the blurb that I that I wrote. How many big mistakes can you make and still end up with an amazing life? Quite a lot, it turns out, especially if the goddess has your back. <laughs> so it's it's a it's a kind of humorous, sometimes sad memoir about my life growing up as a misfit little Jewish girl in a very conservative Christian, a Southern California a community, and escaping, moving to Northern California, getting involved in radical feminism and every everything Berkeley had to offer, and traveling some and becoming an ESL teacher, finding coming out as a lesbian, finding true love. I'm still with my wife. We've been together 33 years. And then escaping from academia and starting my wonderful business and with the goddess's help and many prayers along the way. Wonderful. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Since we're we're chatting about slightly more personal things, if you could vacation anywhere, where would you go and why? <sighs> well, there's so many places that I'd love to go or go back to. One place I've never been to that I would like to is Greece. And closer to home, I absolutely love Mendocino County and all the wild flowers, and I would love to go back there. I've spent a lot of time in Mendocino County, which, by the way, if you're not familiar, is in California, far northern California. Beautiful, beautiful spot. I used to spend quite a lot of time there with my family when I was, when I was younger. Well, what brings you the most joy in your life? I feel so lucky that there's a lot in my life that brings me joy. My work brings me tremendous joy. I love it. And writing, you know, I part of what I write about in my memoir is I had a writer's block for many years, and it was torture to write. And that's pretty much, it's not there nearly as much. And I have so much fun writing my blog posts. I actually had a lot of fun writing the memoir, not everything in it. So writing brings me a lot of joy. My relationship with my wife, I feel so lucky that to have met another grown-up that, you know, we've both been through difficult times and relationships and self-doubt, and that brings me a lot of joy. And I'm addicted to novels, and I read a lot of them, <laughs> especially science fiction and fantasy. <laughs> and I love to walk and hike. Nice. That also brings me joy. And you're, you're from California, right? I am. Where, where uh, are you in California, if you don't mind my asking? Now I'm in Sonoma County. Yeah. which is about an hour north of San Francisco. I was born and lived my early years in Southern California. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm from the Bay Area and, and know Sonoma County really well. So good stuff. That's a good place to hike. That's a good place to get the yayas out and just go for a walk. Oh, it's so beautiful. It's one of the most beautiful counties in the world, I think. Yeah, I agree. Nice. Well, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you. I'm glad you came. Oh, thank you. I'm so pleased you invited me. This has been fun. I agree. Well, we know how people can find you, so I won't ask you that again. For those listening, thank you for listening. And I'd like to ask you to please subscribe, comment, share, and connect with me and Lorraine on LinkedIn. We'll catch you on the next one. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Management Development Unlocked. Want more? Get a ton of insider tips and tools at gerardtrainingsolutions.com.